All right, welcome back to School of Science Radio. I'm Gino Ganello, joined this week, as always, by Matthew Chandler. And this week, we get a special guest from RBM. He's been on the podcast a couple of times, but uh, today he joins us again, Tom Malos. Tom, how are you doing today? I'm not so bad. Yeah, good to be back, especially after a win. <laughs> Absolutely. It's always nice to be back after a win. Um, you know, Everton... Pulling out a huge victory. Um, it always seems that they show up for these type of games, at least um, over West Ham. And just to go over some of the basics before we get into things, um, obviously Everton beat West Ham 1-0. Um, there was one change from the Villa match. Um, excuse me, not one change from the Villa match. There was a few changes from the Villa match. Um, Keane was in for Holgate, Mina in for Gomez, and Davies in for uh, Awobi. Um, we went five at the back there, it seemed. Um, and then Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin were up top doing their, uh, their uh, I guess, little uh, partnership duties up top. Calvert-Lewin scored the only goal of the game in the 24th minute. Um, Tom, we'll start with you on this. What were your thoughts before the game on, you know, in, in terms of the lineup and, and the setup of this team? But before, you know, the couple of days leading up to the game, I didn't have much confidence at all. But I think that's, because this team it's black and white, you know, the, the differing performances game by game. So actually going into this, I just felt that West Ham, because it was so important to them, they'd have more. But when I saw the team, I liked it because Ancelotti's used that formation before. I think West Ham are strong in set pieces. So being in Keane and Mina, you had that solidity. Um, having uh, Dinia making those runs down the left was effective. But I think it, it's the key was in the midfield. Um I always expect a level of consistency from our defence and our, our attack. It's it's in the midfield. It tends to fall down. And I just felt with Decoy not yet fit, um, the balance there with Allen and Davies was much better. And um, I found this season, you can usually tell how Everton they're going to play from the first sort of five, ten minutes. And I just felt the way Allen started in particular and the way Davis looked good, that we had a chance. We were just bringing the ball out of midfield, Allen was winning it and then just progressing it slightly. Davies looked comfortable on the ball. So after the first 15, 20 minutes, I was, um, yeah, I was really encouraged. And it, it, was, yeah, it was a really solid performance that we've seen quite a lot, especially away from home. Um, wasn't particularly pretty, um, but Ancelotti's got them organised at the back. Um, and it just, yeah, just, they can just repeat that goodness in park. It'd be nice. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Matthew, your thoughts. I liked the I like the formation. I like the system. Um, I was slightly I was slightly worried that he maybe picked the wrong centre back because I thought as 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 poor as Mason Holgate was against Aston Villa, I still think he's better suited to playing that sort of back three than the Michael Keane uh, has looked. Uh, but actually, Michael Keane had a very good game. I thought as did the the other two Holgate, uh, so Godfrey and Mina. Um, I wasn't too bothered that Decore didn't start and he's on the bench. Um, I understand like there's a lot of clamour, I guess, for him to, to come back in because of the, the energy he provides in midfield. But um, I, I think we have seen before players maybe be rushed back too soon. Um, so, and I didn't think we necessarily missed Decore too much because I thought Alan and Tom Davies um, sort of patrolled that midfield very well. Um, so yeah, I, th I think you know, like Tom alluded to, I think this is probably the way Ancelotti has has landed on to kind of combat these these teams when we when we when we play away. Um, 
like I said, it worked at Arsenal, it worked at West Brom, it worked at Liverpool, and I think by and large, although again, you know, West Ham had a lot of the ball yesterday, I think Everton pretty pretty astute at you know nullifying them and, and keeping them pretty pretty much at arm's length most of the, most of the game really. Yeah, no, I, I thought so. I mean, you know, you mentioned obviously Davies uh, being in there for Ducore. I thought, you know, often he gets a lot of slack for, you know, hmm. not being or not living up to maybe the potential that some people thought he could live up to. But again, I thought he performed really well. Um, and, and, and it's good, to, you know, Ducore, as much as people wanted to see him back in, um, you know, we want him to be fully fit and not to get injured again either. So, um, but I thought the lineup was great. I mean, I, I thought that, um, like you mentioned, Tom, I think West Ham and Everton have the two most goals from set pieces in the whole Premier League, I think they said yesterday, um, yeah. or, or somewhere near the top. So it was definitely um, a good decision to go with that, that, that back five and, and specifically the two towers that are Keane and Mina. Um, obviously, this is also our 11th away win of the season, which puts us just behind Man City. Um, in terms of away wins this season, Man City with 13, uh, we have 11. I think we're, we're second. Um, but Matthew, we'll go to you right now. You wrote a piece, um, you know, Pickford, Coleman, Godfrey, Allen, Calvert-Lewin, all these players really stood out in this game. Talk a little bit about that, maybe a little bit. I know you, I know you were looking into some of the Calvert-Lewin stats as well yesterday. Um, just talk a little about these players and, and really how important and integral they have been, not only at least maybe for this game, but for really all the season. Yeah, well, I just thought it was a very mature performance from Calvert-Lewin especially. I think he led that line, he led the line very, very professionally alongside Richarlison. Um, and the goal was kind of the rarity of Calvert-Lewin, I think, because I think it's only his third under Ancelotti, which hasn't been a, a first touch goal. Um, I'm not sure how many yards out it was, but I think that's probably the, <laughs> the closest Calvert-Lewin has got to like a long-range goal this season as well. Um, but I like I liked how composed he stayed for that for the goal because I think we saw in games like West Brom a few months ago when he you know, maybe took a touch and, and did it and, and you know made it made uh, for Sam Johnson into an easy save that day. So he did well to keep his keep his call there and. and Slot in, and I just think you saw him at the end of the game when he sort of when he just sort of fell to the floor and looked, you know, absolutely knackered. Um, because what I, what I like about, I think what, I've, what a lot of people like about Calvert Lewin is is his work rate, which is always even when he wasn't scoring. I guess at first, um, you never really question his sort of application. And but as well as that, he's now sort of marrying that with with the sort of technical ability because you see him like. Not only finishing, but you know, linking play or the fact that there's a few times in that first half, especially where you sort of see him playing almost alongside Allen and Davies in midfield, trying to trying to uh, you know help Everton get up the pitch. He was kind of a focal point for Everton breaking away in the second half. Obviously, nearly got the uh, nearly set up Josh King, which I think you know had had he been been on the receiving end, I think probably would have been second goal. Um, I've just been really impressed by how, how you know, sort of how enormous his, his progress has been under Angelotti. Because I think a lot of people, you know, myself included, were kind of had a lot of reservations about him under previous managers. But he's just become a very well-rounded, well-rounded uh, striker. And actually, whereas I think, whereas I think 
the point I made in this piece was where I think where I think Lukaku is probably a more complete finisher who could score, you know, more more types of goals. I think Calvert Lewin is maybe the better all-round player, certainly compared to when Lukaku was at Everton, because there's you get there are more facets to, to Calvert Lewin's game than I think Lukaku, whereas basically you get goals and, and not much else. Um, and I think he just showed again yesterday why he's, he's so integral to Ancelotti's Ancelotti's game plan because not only does he, I mean, the only the other thing is he's very he's he's particularly clinical when you consider how few chances Everton make. I mean, I think that only had three chances yesterday. He's not he is not someone who is presented with chance after chance after chance. And the fact that he, you know, doesn't let that go to his head and, and stays cool when he got that chance yesterday, I think is. Another sign of how much he's improved. Um, the other players, yeah, I thought I thought Jordan Pickford was very good again. He he actually, I think, has, has had a much better season. I think his I think his shots to saves ratio, I think I saw is like his best in a campaign for Everton this season. I think um, again, you know, doesn't look flustered or rattled like he has done. Or maybe maybe you know that might change when when fans come back. You don't know, but. He, he looks a lot more in control as well. Um, Seamus Coleman, I thought <laughs> it's quite hard to tell where Coleman was playing at times. It looked like he was sort of doing a man mark job on some West Ham's midfielders, um, putting a good shift. Godfrey obviously got the assist uh, with a with a fantastic sort of defence splitting pass. Um, and yeah, Alan, the, the other one who I just thought, you know, I don't want to slag off Gomez, but I think you see how much better Alan can be when he's. He's got somebody more mobile alongside him, Davies. Davies isn't the quickest, but I just think he he offers more security for Allen than the Gomez. I think at the time is just is too sluggish in that midfield. And I thought the two of them together, like I said before, were, were just so sort of combative in that midfield, um, so aggressive, and really gave Everton sort of the platform to, to kick on from there. Because if you see Allen, Allen gets forward actually a lot more when he's got Davies next to him. I think. And I think especially without Decore and without Hamas Rodriguez even, that's a massive advantage for him to have someone like him kicking, pushing on from midfield. Because I don't think, we've seen before, I don't think he's, he's best used to playing as that defensive midfielder. So, yeah, there were just a few standouts, but I think as, as a whole, I don't think anyone had a, had a, had a bad game. Really. I thought in general, it was a very good team performance from Everton. Yeah, I mean, um, just on Calvert Lewin too. I mean, you know, one of the other things that stood out to me yesterday—that pass, um, you know, from the one side of the 18-yard box all the way through the defense that threaded the needle there. I think it was to Coleman, uh, where Coleman almost had a shot um, to put to put a goal in as well. Um, that's something we don't typically see from him too much either, his passing ability. Um, so I thought that was impressive as well. And then I think his goal yesterday put him just behind Harry Kane this year for most goals scored from non penalties in, um, in one behind, isn't he? Yeah. He's, he's one behind him right now. So again, there's just another um, impressive showing and another, another thing that shows how impressive he's been um, this season. Tom, how about you? What were your thoughts on, you know, Calvert Lewin and and some of these other players who put in some pretty mature performances, um, you know, especially for their age in terms of Godfrey and Calvert Lewin. Yeah. The Calvert Lewin, you mentioned it there and you wrote in your piece, Matthew, about um, comparing him to Lukaku. Lukaku is the, you'd probably say, the more natural goal scorer, but he could only really play in one system. And when we were playing teams where we were doing a lot of defending and he was sort of isolated up front with his back to goal, 
he wouldn't hold the ball up very well and you know we'd struggle and he'd look isolated and he'd get frustrated whereas calvert lewin has got that that versatility to play in different systems and fit in playing different ways of playing and i was going to bring up that pass to coleman gino um he maybe should have played with charleston in but then having not done that he cut inside and a lot of strikers probably would have thought panicked maybe had a shot or, or tried something a bit clever but as you say he had the composure and the technique to pick out that pass to coleman it was unlucky i think maybe a a more attacking player would have perhaps taken it first time and had a better first touch. Um, but speaking of Coleman, I think that performance yesterday is why, for me, he has got a role to play in the team next season because um, he's very disciplined. So when um, he has a job to do, particularly a man-marking job in that sort of game, when it's not totally reliant on his legs getting forward in an attacking sense, that's when he's an asset. Maybe in games next season where we'll have more of the ball against teams, we should be dominating that's when we'll need the legs of a younger player who can get in behind on the right-hand side and get some crosses in, get that width. But um, yeah, that's yesterday. I thought Coleman was fantastic and, and why um, I think Ancelotti rates him so highly as well. Even though he's maybe not as athletic as he was, he's still um, a, a Premier League level player. Uh, yeah, I thought he was great yesterday. And Ancelotti called Coleman man of the match yesterday. I don't know if you saw that. I think Alan got man of the match from Sky and then... Calvert-Lewin was saying afterwards that he thought he, he, thought he should have got it. Um, and then I think Sky asked Dan Schultz if he would have given it to him and he said Coleman. So I don't think, I don't think Coleman, I don't think he should be necessarily first choice next season. I think right-back's obviously an area that Evan should be looking at. But I think, like Tom said, he's still clearly got a role to play. Um, I actually think playing, playing as part of a five probably suits Coleman better now. Because I think gives him more sort of freedom and he's less kind of they're going to back for his maybe defensive frailties show up more and I think his his delivery is more you know questionable maybe than, than maybe it used to be now um, but I think in that as like a sort of wing back he's got a sort of freer role which I think seems to have thrived in a bit more um, I think the only thing I'd say about Calvert-Lewin and Charles yesterday is I felt like they're kind of partnership was looked at times a bit disjointed. I don't know whether like Tom was saying before about whether he should have played with Charleston in sometimes it seems to maybe quite be on the same wavelength but I think you know with Charleston is obviously a versatile player in terms of positions that he can play um, and I think we saw last season especially when the two of them played up front that there's a lot of potential in that partnership so hopefully that was just a bit of an off day for the two of them together. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I mean, in terms of the partnership, I, I, I know it's been mentioned a few times too. Just, I, I really enjoy, obviously, you know, um, when he, I think it was mentioned, it might have been in Slack chat, um, but, you know, having those two up top, I, I like how it works a lot of the time where with a big man like DCL who flicks the header on to a running Richarlison, it, it works well. But, but you're right, Tom. I mean, that pass, um, when I was even watching the highlights again today, um, just watching Richarlison run and you're like, why is DCL not passing the ball? And it's just so frustrating because in that situation, honestly, if he does pass to Richarlison, it's probably a goal or a much better chance. Um, but again, it does still, he did have the technical ability to find that, that pass. Um, just going to go through Pete's five telling stats a little bit here. We've talked about a few of them already. Obviously Everton's Jekyll and Hyde home and away situation. Um, the 11th away went also recorded or um, or I guess made it official that 
the Everton will record the highest away points total in the club's 143 year history, which is obviously very good. Uh, but you know, it would be nice to win a few at home as well. Um, um, yeah, right. Um, one of the um, interesting stats, I think, from this game was um, Pete points out that, that we only um, we won with only 31% of the possession. Um, and and he takes, you take a look at the average possession in the 2020-2021 season. In the wins, we only control the ball about 44.9% of the time and the draws 44% of the time. And in the losses, we actually have a 50.5% average um, possession. So uh, an interesting stat there. We talked, of, of course, about um, DCL's goal um, and, and how it was kind of atypical for him. Um, and then um, we've also talked about Carlos Mann in the match and Seamus Coleman. Um, and then, of course, uh, Pete mentions here the unlucky hammers and, and our terrific away record against West Ham in the past 14 years. He mentions uh, eight of the last 13 fixtures between the sides in London uh, were won by Everton, and they've only lost once uh, in the last 14 years uh, at West Ham. Anything to add to that, guys, or, or any comments on that? I think wasn't there a stat about Coleman's uh, interceptions or something? What was it? Uh, oh, yeah, four successful tackles, nine recoveries, and one reception. Interception and giving hell to any West Ham player that came near him, as, as Pete's put very uh, astutely there. Um, yeah, no, I, th- I think it's just like a shame, isn't it? That kind of constant, it's this constant like fluctuation of, of highs and lows in the moment where one, one week people seem to write off all European chances and then. Go and win at West Ham and it's back on again. So hopefully, you know, this last four games we'll, we'll see a bit more in the way of consistency, I guess. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. And, and, and obviously these last four games, again, tremendously important, as we mentioned, as I think I mentioned at the beginning, this was a huge win for Everton against a team that was above them. We now sit um, three points behind... Um, West Ham is, is West Ham in fifth right now, or is Tottenham in? Sorry, yeah, West Ham. Sorry, yeah, three West points Ham. behind um, West Ham in fifth, with which we have a game in hand, uh, which will take place this week. So, a win at Aston Villa would put us tied on points um, with West Ham. Um, we're eight behind Leicester right now with a game in hand, um, but it, it really. I mean, obviously, the only other team who is equal with us on games played, I think, is Liverpool, who has to play Man United, I think, the same day we play Villa. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's getting tight here at the end. In your opinions right now, with the rest of the schedule, where does this leave Everton with their European hopes? If you ask me on Friday morning, I'll have uh, I think... We have to do it in the next three games. We don't want to obviously go to Man City on the last day needing something. Because even if you know they they've sewed up the league and they've got a, their reserve team out, that reserve team's still pretty good, and it'll likely be Aguero's. Well, it will be Aguero's last game at the Etihad, so we need to get it done. So that it makes that Villa game, which is our game in hand, which we've had for so long, um, absolutely massive. But needing to beat Villa to move up in the table feels like I've, uh, we've been there before. So um, it's just huge. Yeah, I just think Ancelotti put pressure on the team actually this weekend. He said pretty much if we lose at West Ham, we're out of Europe. So um, I think it's similar against Villa. I don't think we can afford to lose. I fancy us a little bit more on the two home games. Um, 
Mm. I think Sheffield United, obviously they're down, pretty average team, not much to play for. And then Wolves, again, uh, they're, they're a decent team, but again, they've got nothing to play for. And I think the fans being in will have a huge impact for that. So I'd, I'd back Everton to get two wins, um, but then I think they'd need to get something in Villa as well. So if we get seven points, I think we're in a chance, even if we go to City and lose on the last day of the season, um, I think we're in a chance of finishing in the um, the top in the top seven. I think it's been the case all season because it's such a strange season. Any t- side who can string a few wins together will go, will go places, and that's been the problem for all the teams. So if we obviously we won on Sunday and we win our last two home games, that's three wins out of four. That's enough, just the time to get us up there. But you know, you could ask me again on Friday morning and. We were lost and, you know, we're going to finish 10th. So, yeah, at the moment, I'm feeling optimistic. But as you say, yeah. that, that changes so quickly. Beat Villa, go top, right? That that seems like something we've seen before. So, um, Matthew, your thoughts? Um, I still think we can catch Leicester, maybe. I mean, just because of Leicester's running. I think Leicester got United, Chelsea away and Tottenham at home, as well as the cup final. And you know maybe that is, this is really getting carried away from a one 0 win over West Ham, but I think like Tom said, I think like we'll probably get on to the two games this week in a bit. But I certainly feel more confident about Villa away than I would about Villa at home. And then as for reasons Tom outlined, the two home games look more winnable than than uh, the last few, um, even though they look pretty winnable as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, you maybe are pinning your hopes on getting something at Man City if you if you're maybe going to catch Leicester, um, or you know, get get fourth, which which you know, admittedly seems a really outside bet now. Um, but I think Everton could certainly have worse fixtures to play. You know, we've seen how good we are away, and those home games look pretty pretty kind. Um, I was going to just ask. I was going to ask Tom because we talked about this a bit. What? How would you feel about the Conference League if we qualified for that? Actually, just thinking that um, myself, I'm not totally opposed to it. Um, I say it looks like obviously it's the third tier competition, but it's going to be a similar amount of games to the Europa League, mm. but we might have a better chance of winning it. Mm. So. I don't think it would be sort of the total disaster. Obviously, a lot dependent on the draw. Like you could say, you're going to have to all these sort of long distance or Eastern European teams that we have to travel to on a Thursday. But that's exactly the same with the Europa League as well. You know, when, when we were last in the Europa League, we were off in Krasnodar, weren't we? So yeah. I'm not totally opposed to it. And, and you know, the third tier competition is what we won in, in 1985, wasn't it? We won the Cup Winners' <laughs> Cup. I didn't think they should have got rid of that in the first place. So... Um, yeah, any sort of Europe, I'm, I wouldn't totally be uh, totally be against it. But I know some people are just like, no, it's. it's I would I would like it as a as a fan. I think to see Everton in Europe, uh, like I always liked the sort of Goodison Europa League night and, and being there, and it felt a bit different to even like a Premier League night game for obvious reasons. And, and um, I would like that. I don't think it would necessarily. I don't think being in the Conference League would really mean we could attract. Sort of higher caliber of player necessarily. I don't. I don't. I know it's Europe, but I don't really see that. Maybe the Europa League you do, um, but yeah, I, I I think it's a fair point, isn't it? It's just you want to be in Europe, and especially when Everton have been in it like once in the last six or seven years. I guess you know beggars can't be 
help me choose is really can they so um i i think yeah i think a lot of it hinges on the villa game isn't it, in terms of where we finish because i think um you would think the Sheffield United game probably takes care of itself, although that's wishful thinking, seeing them at home. Um, but the Villa game was the one that's a bit like West Ham looked before before yesterday. The Villa looks, one looks pretty decisive because you know that's the one that really could go either way. And then if you win it, you can get it. Got momentum, and then some, some nice kind of fixtures. But if then don't win it, then kind of look like the. <laughs> You know, we should to eighth again, doesn't it? Or sort of seventh at best, maybe. So I think a lot depends on how Sunday's game goes. Yeah. Game. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Um, and we'll talk a little about, about that in, in a second. But yeah, I mean, it's um, it's interesting. I mean, <laughs> you know, it, it seems the path is there for us to be sitting here on Sunday, May 23rd at 11 a.m. watching a possible extremely important final game of the season against Man City, um, which uh, probably be a nervous wreck for in that situation. But, um, but yeah, the path is there. um, And now it's just, and we said this before the Villa game, every game is a final from here on out. um, And hopefully, you know, this West Ham win gives them a little bit of a a spark and, uh, and and we can move forward. Um, All right. We're going to take a break, um, and then after the break, Matthew and Tom are going to take it away and break down the Villa game and the Sheffield United game that are coming up. Okay, just going to uh, finish off with a bit of a preview for the weekend. Obviously, very decisive week, uh, the penultimate week of the season, um, which kicks off on Thursday with a trip to... (laughs) Aston Villa again, um, having just lost them last week. Um, I mean, we kind of just touched on it then, Tom. Honestly, first thing I'll say to start with is: do you do you think this season is a failure if we don't qualify for Europe, given where we finished last season, how how last season went? That's a good question. Given you potentially eighth place could get Europe, is that right? No, no, I don't think it. I don't think it'll stretch to that. I think they've suggested that, but if if they win in Europe, yeah. I think, especially given the start we made, um, Mm. it would be, I think, huge disappointment. And you could call it a failure, but there were definitely caveats with that. You definitely look at the Mm. areas where. Um, we've improved and you know, we've improved our points total and more goals scored, less conceded. Um, I think you also have to take in sort of the strange nature of the league the second half of last year after the restart on this season. Mm-hmm. You know, we spoke briefly before before we started recording about how this is such a, a random season with some strange results. It's um, you know, it will have sort of an asterisk on it, you know, going forward because it's it's not how football has been for you know hundreds of years before then. So um, I think where we are, I think there will be a huge disappointment. You know, maybe failure is a bit too strong, but I think yeah. we've got it. I think we, it will be, and, and it will be a big setback. Not necessarily in attracting players, as you mentioned. I don't think getting into the Conference League will make a you know a huge difference with some players, but certainly in the development of, especially the younger players, getting used to playing in in Europe, playing on Thursdays, 
Sundays, you know, the extra workload, I think it would set us back. Um, so, and having got into this position now, yeah, it would be, I think it would be um, a massive disappointment if we didn't get in. I think that's a good way of summing it up, really, because I don't, I don't, I don't think it's a failure because we finished 12th last year and for the most part last season we were pretty awful, apart from maybe the first couple of months under Ancelotti. Um, added to the fact we've had one striker, really, like one out-and-out striker this season. Um, and we, you know, haven't had, you know, fans, which I know that's been a problem for everyone, and but like I said, not a normal season. Um, I think you kind of look at that and, and say, we've certainly made progress. And I think I think the sense of disappointment will be more just from, you know, how we started. And I've said before, maybe think the start we made was slightly misleading because I don't think we were maybe as good as, as those four games suggest. Um, it reminds you in a way of kind of a lot of the season that David Moyes would have sort of terrible first half of the season and then sort of rampant second half of the season. You, you get, you'd end that season on a much more of a high than you would say this season if we finish, even if we finish in the same place as we did those seasons in Moyes. I think normally people, if you finish well, people go into the summer more optimistic than if you if you started well but but finish poorly, don't they? So um, I think disappointing is probably a better word than than a failure. Um, how important then is this Villa game for you on Thursday then? I think it's um, well, obviously it's the next game is the most important one, but I think it's it's critical. We lose that, and then we could it, it would. We lose a lot of momentum going into the final two home games of the season. Um, I think, yeah, and, and in the final, you know, um, reckoning, I think it would cost us. I think we have to get at least a point, um, if not win, if we want to get a chance, because um, particularly as um, Liverpool are looking better now as well. Um, My United, who they play on Thursday, are playing less than two days before, so um, there's a chance they may slip up. Um so yeah, it's 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 the most critical game, and I think if we lose it, we I don't think we'll get into Europe, even if we win our last two home games. Yeah, it's got a, it's got a kind of feeling about the last season of Villa, isn't it? You know, I know that was right at the end of the season, but uh, we're <laughs> saying we go top, and then if we win on Thursday, even for a couple of hours, we go joint fifth. So, um, what kind of lessons do you think? I know Villa won't have Watkins on Thursday. Because um, he was sent off yesterday, uh, and they're obviously eleventh now, and I think they're out of the running for Europe, aren't they? So, um, what kind of lessons do you think Everton will will have to to learn and take from from the Villa game last week? I think, I think the one I would start with just to, is to be. I think Antonelli alluded to this. He looked, I thought, particularly, you know, annoyed. I know he's quite sort of calm and measured most of the time, but he looked particularly wound up by that defeat. I think one of the things he said was that Everton didn't didn't focus enough, or maybe didn't weren't concentrating enough. Um, I think you saw that with certainly the first goal when Holgate lets Watkins go. What what did you see in that Villa game last week, which you which you don't want to see from Everton again on Thursday? Well, I think actually Watkins not playing, I think is pretty significant because I imagine that'll be Wesley who'll come in who's only just back after he scored against us last season didn't he? he did yeah <laughs> so yeah I'm going to put the jinx on he might score again um, 
but he's not as mobile. I thought Watkins was absolutely brilliant in the, the game at Goodison last week. He just, um, he, uh, he was so mobile that he he was chasing down and he was giving them an outlet which allowed them to get out um, and push people forward and then we, we were getting caught. So I just, I'd be interested to see whether he'll go with the same system uh, like he did at West Ham. Will he assume that because Villa at home they may be a little bit more um, offensive? Because I didn't think there was actually that much between the teams uh, in in that Villa game. We, you know, our, our performance levels are fairly... Um, level even though sort of winning losing games they're often by the odd goal and, and um you know, I think we're only five minutes away from getting a draw even though we're below par. Um so I don't think there's there's that much to 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 improve on. Um Grealish might be back for Villa, which is obviously key he's their best player by a mile, but he's not played in a long time since three months. Three months, three months. So how fit match fit he's going to be but again that's where someone like Seamus Coleman can come into because you know, he's been doing sort of a man marking job um, so I wonder whether he, uh, he'll, he'll stick with the similar having got the midfield sorted and also I wonder whether um, Ancelotti had uh, lined up Decore for this game had him on the bench if needed on, on Sunday but another five or six days training I wouldn't be surprised if he maybe comes in because we'll need his, his legs and his athleticism more in this game than maybe we did on Sunday who would you if you if he comes in? Who do you think would would be the obvious one to drop out? Do you think Sigerson is the one who? Because I think he has a lot of faith in Sigerson, but I, I felt yesterday Sigerson was kind of anonymous at times. I thought Davies was more, you know, played a more important role in us in us winning that midfield battle. Um, and I think Decore, I think Decore, Davies, and Allen has a better look about it than Decore, Allen, and Sigerson. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. It's just it's, it's the legs there, isn't there? And, and um, yeah, yeah. to get forward quicker. And Sigurdsson, he, like he worked hard um, and he was in it a lot yesterday, but as I say, he's just not got, it's not, it's not quick enough. Um, but he is useful to being on off the bench because of his set pieces and delivery. Yeah. Any other changes that you would make from yesterday? I mean, would you stick with the back five? That would work against Aston Villa away. I know he didn't. He didn't do that home, did he? At the back four, which beat Arsenal. Um, I think he will. I think he'll stick because it, because he's worked away from home uh, that, that formation. So I think he'll stick with the only thing was Mina obviously went off injured. So but that'd be a straight swapping Holgate in. So I I expect um, maximum of two changes. Obviously, if Mina's injured, bring Holgate in for him, and I'd bring Decore in if he's fit fit enough for Sigurdsson. Do you expect a slightly easier game on Sunday, even with with no no fans in Goodison again, just because of the, the opposition? Or are you still has are you still wary about it just because of Everton at home? Yeah, <laughs> so we made hard work of it in the the game on was on Boxing Day, wasn't it? Um, yeah. And it's the old oh they're already down, they're playing without pressure but it, it just the, the whole it seems situation around the club there especially with them you know, with Chris Wilder not there there's a bit of uncertainty it just feels like they just, they just want the season to end so you know we should you should have enough um should have to overcome them you know we should be a bit more attacking and then I'll be yeah hugely disappointed it would be very evident if they did mess that up but I, I can't see it because I just think um yeah, Sheffield United had a horrible season and they just want the, the season to end yeah. if it'd been at home that you know Sheffield United had been at home and the fans have been there. Maybe they want us to go out on a high, but um, 
Yeah, look, I saw bits of their game against Crystal Palace at the weekend, and it looked like yeah. Well, they beat us last year at Goodison, didn't they? That was one of the worst, most inept Everton performances yeah. I've ever seen. But I think it's going to be a lot different now, obviously, because that or the Norwich game last season was, yeah. was the year before. When they, they, when it's they, a completely yeah. different scenario, isn't it? I think, um, like you said, yeah, like you said, I think they just want the season to end, and I think I'd like maybe to have be a bit more expansive actually in this game. I know it's a must win and maybe Ancelotti will do what he thinks is you know the best route to just winning the game. But I think Sheffield United are I think the problem at home has been the fact we haven't had this kind of we've been so compact maybe at times and, and that hasn't helped but we'll see how it goes. Um right we go <laughs> gotta go before Zoom kick us out. So um Tom I hope that uh we uh, hopefully we can get these two wins in, and then hopefully next season we can be talking about some European trips on the podcast and uh, Everton, you know, winning in far-flung corners of Eastern Europe. <laughs> yeah. I'll take that. I'm, I'll actually be going to Goodison as well. That yeah. Uh, right. Thanks very much for joining us, Tom. Um, no problem. And yeah, like I said, thanks for listening and subscribe and follow, and we'll see you next week. Bye.